Hello, this is Frederick from Opus, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Welcome to episode 127 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. The Iron City Rocks podcast is devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 127, we have a very special profile of show coming to Mr. Smalls, October 31st, Opeth and Catatonia. So we've got interviews with both bands. Our sister show, Radioactive Metal, uh, host Rock, got a chance to interview Anders Nystrom, backstage at the show in Orlando, and it was cool enough to send us the interview to give us a taste of what we can expect from Catatonia. We also have an interview with Frederick Ackeson of Opeth. Aaron did for us uh, just recently. So we're going to play a track now from Catatonia, get into the interview that Rock did, Anders Nystrom.
making new fans. And oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're investing in half of their <laughs> fan base, probably. Oh, well, that's good. Killer, yeah. yeah. That's good, that's good. So, you guys, your last two releases, like you had uh, The Longest Year that came out last year, 2010, and then Night is the New Day came out in 2009. Mm. So what kind of set list are you playing right now? Are you like playing a mix of old stuff and new stuff or? Yeah, we try to just mix it all up. I mean, we have a couple of albums out and it's just like, it's always hard to make everybody happy, but mm -hmm. it has to be a compromise somewhere. So we figured that we, we put like 40 songs into a pool and each member can choose their own set list. Like, okay. uh, every fifth night then, you know. Oh, okay. So it's pretty cool, you know, and nobody's allowed to have any objections or anything. You just go out and have to play <laughs> it. So it's like, I choose my face, choose his face, uh -huh. and hopefully the audience, I mean, I think it's a good, cool thing because some of the people have been going to more shows than one. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they get a lot of different songs. So I think it's kind of cool favor actually. To do yeah, because so it keeps it interesting for us as well. Not yeah. to go out and play the exact same thing every exactly. night. It's not the yeah. same set list every night. That's, that's, exactly. a, that's a really good idea. That, yeah. I, I, every band should do that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so too. It keeps things more interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you have any new material in the works? Are you guys writing on the road or? Uh, I wish we could, but it's not a right environment for us to mm -hmm. to to write on the road. Okay. Uh, but we have started the writing, and we're yeah we're come a pretty pretty decent way a long way in it. Uh, I think we, I mean, we, we're planning to, as soon as this tour is over, we're going to go back and finish the writing, and I think we're hoping to enter the studio in uh, in winter. Okay. So that that's not too far away, and that means that the album might be released before summer. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, so you're not playing any material on, you know? No, 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 on, no, not on, at all. No, no okay. not yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys have had a long relationship with Opeth, mm. obviously, you know, pretty much since the beginning. I mean, Michael even sang on one of your early albums, yeah. and, uh, you know, you guys did a lot of touring together. Uh, when did that relationship start? I mean, how did it start? Oh, it started really long time ago, probably 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all teenagers hanging out in the scene, uh, going to death metal concerts. Uh -huh. And uh, we met at one of them. Uh, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I mean, there were tons of them. There were, <laughs> there were gigs. There were five gigs a week or something yeah. at that time. And yeah, we met and uh, we, we just figured that we had some kind of a common interest that stood out a little bit from everybody else. At that time, everyone was into the brutal thing. Mm -hmm. It had to be super brutal, like a real brutal death metal or grindcore and stuff. But we were like a little bit more into the melodic aspect mm -hmm. of the whole thing. And we figured that both of our bands shared that. Like, we, we were totally focusing on the m melodic aspect of it. And I think we, uh, yeah, we felt some kind of connection and started hanging out. And, uh, you know, we became really good friends. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's how it started, and, you know, we had we were struggling a lot with finding members for Catatonia. We were at that time only, a, in the beginning, only a two-piece. Yeah. And then we became a, yeah, a three-piece, but we still missed that second guitar player. Mm -hmm. So I asked Michael, like, uh, do you want to fill in, you know, do a couple of shows for us, you know, and uh, they hadn't released their first album yet, so oh, okay. he had, he was totally free at that time. Okay. Not like today. <laughs> <laughs> So he did a couple of shows with us and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, he, he got really in integrated with Catronia that way, you know, and we really, you know, started supporting each other, and from there on, you know, here we, here we are, yeah, North exactly. American, exactly. 20 years later. <laughs>
Exactly. Uh, you know, back in the early days, you, know, you just said that you guys saw a lot of concerts and stuff. Yeah. I mean, what were your favorites, and who influenced you really back then? Oh, everybody basically. I mean, going to a concert at the time was just a big uh, kick, you know, a mm -hmm. big injection too. I mean, I, I remember at each gig I was at the time, I just wanted to run back home and start writing a <laughs> new song. You yeah. Know? You got such a kick out of it. Uh, one band that was really cool at the time was uh, Tiamat, Swedish band. Yes. They had just started actually changing their sound also to a really melodic thing. Mm -hmm. they, they, they also, I mean, their first album was like really super simple, primitive death metal. And then on their second album, uh, Astral Sleep, they started incorporating these acoustic interludes and a lot of keyboards and lead guitars. And uh, yeah, I was really fascinated by them at the time because they stood out. Mm -hmm. So I, I have good good memories from from Tiamat at the time. <laughs> and is there any any anything out there right now that you really dig that you really love? You know the other. Oh yeah, bands? there's a lot. I mean, I I, I it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a direct influence for Catatonia. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoy a lot of concerts and a lot of bands like I mean the band Behemoth. You know, from mm -hmm, yeah. I mean they fucking blow me away every time uh -huh. I see them. They, it's just like a war machine. Yeah, it's like a wall. The wall hits you and it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, looking at them also gets me some somehow the kind of same vibe. Mm -hmm. I got back in the late eighties. It's uh, really impressive. Have you heard of the Ghost? The band Ghost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I see them too. Uh, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. <laughs> they're, they're, I think they're pretty much. Uh, Everyone's favorite. I know. I mean, it's it's crazy. They just came out of nowhere, and it's just, it's just it's funny because it's satanic, but it's fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> they, they do it with a tongue in cheek. Exactly. And I think their image is amazing, and they just do it the whole way, and it's a quite an entertaining act. Actually. <laughs> yes. And, and you, you, yourself, you're not. You know, you've got you had a lot of different side projects and stuff. Yeah. Would that be something like Ghost? Would that something you would like to do one day, like something a little lighter, funnier? You know. I wish I was behind Ghost. <laughs> Actually, it would be really funny. I think they have a lot of fun doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I could totally have, you know. Yeah, put on makeup involved. and <laughs> yeah. just kill it. Just be know. go crazy. Yeah, have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah some, some of your uh, other projects. I mean, you've had Bloodbath, which is death metal. Mm. You've had uh, Diabolical Masquerade, which is black, and then you were on Bewitched also. Oh yeah. Uh, which was a more straight up heavy metal. Yeah. Kind of sorta. Uh, do those projects help you like? help your creative juices, you know, like, it's something that you need to do because Catatonia is one style and then the other stuff lets you, like, be even more creative. You, do you love doing all that kind of other stuff to get away from Catatonia, basically? Yeah. You just hit it right there. You nailed it. Uh, that was the whole purpose of it because, I mean, we're, I mean, I love what we do in Catatonia, mm -hmm. but it, it's limiting in one way because it's, it does, it definitely have nothing to do with retro heavy metal or anything, you know, yeah. and I mean, there's always some part in me that will love that as well, so mm -hmm. it was a really good time being involved with Bewitched to get those demons out, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing with Evolca Masquerade to get all those, you know, black metal things mm -hmm. out as well, which, mm -hmm. I mean, that even, I think I did four albums with that, mm -hmm. so yeah. it was a long time and a great time, and we're glad that that, I mean, that's still going. Yeah. And that's actually right now what really, uh, I don't know, it, it builds this equilibrium of keeping us happy, I think, mm -hmm. you know. Because mm -hmm. it's such diverse from each other. Like, Catatonia yeah. is on one side of the end, and Bloodbath is on the other, and 
we can just go back and forth uh-huh. and balance it out. You know, like it's. I mean, there's nothing more fun than being just finished with either of them. Like the touring cycle is over, the album is done, and then just going into the other band, starting yeah. it off. Then you have new energy. Your spark is there again, and uh, you're ready to kick ass. Yeah, yeah. cool. And uh, one last question. Uh, you've said earlier you've been doing this for 20 years, since 1991. You've been doing this professionally. Yeah. Do you still enjoy the touring cycle, the uh, recording, and doing all that stuff? I mean, so still get off on it? Oh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, it's the same thing there. You need to balance it, because you don't want to make two albums in a row in a studio mm-hmm. you you want to have a tour in between because it will make your you know you're getting hungry to go back into the studio again and vice versa you want if you haven't made a new album that you're really proud of there's nothing more you want than go out and play it live and I also think that it's hard to get tired of touring in one in one way because I regard each city each state each country as a new experience mm-hmm. The, the people aren't the same, even though you go to a new city, you know. It's a new night, it's a new show, it's a new experience, and the people deserve the best they can get for the money. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. That was, that was my last question. Thank you. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. Musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. Right, again, a very special thanks to Radioactive Metal host Rock for that cool interview. Uh, Radioactive Metal, as many of you were probably aware or that listen to the show regularly, uh, one of our sister shows. We have uh, two podcasts that we form kind of an alliance with, uh, Radioactive Metal, a show all about uh, pure metal uh, with some great, great hosts, Snowy and Rock. You can find them at ironcityrocks.com forward slash radioactive metal. Also, sister show, Signal to Noise. Signal to Noise, hosted by Aaron, who has been on Iron City Rocks, is going to be on here again in a minute. Aaron's uh, show is all about hardware and gear for the musician. So uh, you can check that out. He is a great, had an interview with uh, Crushed Drums, uh, Dean Guitar. Uh, latest episode was of Brian Wookie uh, of Tone Pro. So if you're a guitarist, drummer, keyboardist, singer, uh, sound man, whatever, great show to listen to. So I invite you wholeheartedly to check that out. Also, Aaron, um, on our show, if you notice, has been doing the interviews with uh, Tony from Total Music Entertainment, the producer series, which we will get back to in our next episode. But without further ado, we're going to get to the main event tonight. We have, from the brand Opeth, we have Frederick Eckeson. Uh Opeth, again, will be in town on the 31st of October to do a show at Mr. Smalls. You can get tickets by going to Mr. Smalls' website. Uh, you can just Google that and find that real easy. Or you can go to Opus One Productions, and that'll link you over there as well. They're the promoter for that event. 
So again, you get Opeth and Catatonia again on one night. So without further ado, let's get into that interview that Aaron did. And I say welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, on our show today, joining us, we have Frederick from the band Opeth. How are you doing today, Frederick? Pretty good. We're in Great. Columbus today. So um, how's, the, how's the current tour going for you guys? It's pretty early on in the tour. Tonight we play our seventh show. Uh, in Columbus, and it's been going good, yeah. There's been a lot of people at the shows, and they seem happy, even though we play slight different sets this time around. Um, they're, they're into it, so it's cool. Excellent, excellent. Now, for those who are listeners who are not familiar with your band, could you give us a little bit of a background on Opeth and um, what listeners can expect when they come to see you guys live? Well, we've been around since... The band was established in 1990, so it's been like 21 years. Uh, I've been in the band four and a half years. But uh, we just released our 10th album called Heritage, and um, the band, is, I guess the band comes from a melodic, uh, progressive death metal background, which um, but we do mix different, a lot of different styles within the music. We have a bit of folk tone there, you have some quite a lot of acoustic work and um, a bit of 70s prog rock kind of vibe to it as well. Now, you joined the band when you were just 19 in 1992, correct? No, I joined the band like four and a half years ago. So before this, I was in a band called Arch Enemy, where oh, I played okay. guitar right. with. So um, I, but the, the band, I think the band released the first album, 94, and, uh, yeah, as I said before, 10 records ahead and a couple of live DVDs. Okay, I definitely got, got that wrong. Glad I asked that question. Um, so, so let me ask you this. So how did you get started playing guitar? Well, I started out, I saw Ace Freely and Angus Young from ACDC. That was, like, the first guys who made me pick up the guitar. And then I saw uh, Michael Schenker, a guitar player on TV, and that made me start practicing a lot more than I was into guys like Ed Van Halen, and Uli Rolf and a bunch of players. You know. So, But I didn't go to high school when I was kids. When I was 15, from, I was quit school when I was 15, basically, and started working in factory to buy my first amps. <laughs> so I was pretty determined that I wanted to be a guitar player at an early age. Oh, wow. Now, what point did you join your first band? 19. So I could wow. provide myself economically, economically, you know what I mean, uh, like when I was 19. So, Otherwise, my dad would have forced me to go to high school, but luckily I made it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you come to join Opeth? We were on the same tour. I know Michael Ockerfeld, the lead singer and guitar player, the other guitar player in the band, saw me playing in a pub in Stockholm where I played, like, King Diamond and Judas Priest covers. And um, he came up to me and said he liked my playing, etc. And then finally, when I played with Arch Enemy, we were on the same tour. We, put, we were on the Gigant tour in the States with Megadeth, the Lamb of God. And uh, I guess they saw me play, and they liked what I did. And then the, the old guitar player, Peter, uh, left the band. And then Michael just called me up at that time. The old guitar player from Arch Enemy will want to come back 
that was kind of like, well, what am I going to do now? And then Mike called me and asked me to join the Opus, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Which was really cool, though, because I was a big fan of the dance floor as well. Oh, that's excellent. Now, how many albums have you been a part of? So at least definitely the last album, but what album did you come on board for? Uh, Watershed album, the last studio album. Okay. So we, I joined the band 2007, <coughs> excuse me, um, in the sort of writing process of Watershed, which came out 2008. And then we did these uh, anniversary shows. We played live at Royal Out Hall in England. So we did like a DVD and a live album of that. And then now we released the new studio album, Heritage who just came out the other week, like four, five, six days ago. Oh, wow. Now, what's like, what's the studio process like for you guys? Like, do, you, do you have a primary songwriter? Do you all kind of get together in a rehearsal space? Or how does that work when you guys <clears throat> put together a new record? Um, Michael has always been the, like the pilot of the band, and he writes the majority of the material. So, But he does really good demos at his house. So usually we go over there, I might go to his house, put on a solo. On this new album, uh, we co-wrote one track together called Pyre, which on the that kind of special edition version. comes along with a DVD and a 5.1 mix as well. Um, but as soon as the material is done, when we go into the studio, we kind of carve and copy uh, the demo in the studio, which is a great click track for us. Because what we did on the last album, we recorded the bass and drums live, and they play along with the demo. So it's kind of good because then they hear the vocals and the guitar parts, so they play with the song. And usually, you just only have like the drummer and bass player play to a quick track, and the band, of course, have rehearsed. Now you can hear like the, how the vocal line and stuff goes on. So maybe you you play different because you won't do like a thing that interferes with something else. That's um that's definitely a good approach for that. Now like how um I, I guess that would really contribute to like a more live sounding feel and like and allow for more spontaneity for your parts? Yeah, in a way we actually we do rehearse quite a lot before we go into the studio and everybody knows their parts, but of course you like to leave something open for improvisation and stuff like that too. But what we did on this album we were kind of sick with it. We were tired of the, the contemporary kind of metal sound with, where people use a lot of sound replacement. We wanted the drums to sound like real drums, you know. So what we did on, on this album, there's no sound replacement. It's just pure live takes and no editing or sheeting or anything like that. Oh, so we wanted know. to do, do like, a, you know, kind of earthy, organic, popular word is Facebook product. And that's so refreshing to hear because, I mean, you know, like you said, so much of modern recording is just sound replacements. People go out, they sample stuff that they like 20 years ago, and that's all you hear. Nobody's trying to get new sounds. Nobody's trying to get fresh, real sounds. So it's nice to hear that you guys aren't using any sound replacements. Yeah, we went pretty far this time around because we used, like, we bought a real old Mellotron, and we got, like, real Berlitzer pianos and Hammonds and old mics, an old Neve console from 73, and this particular studio is in Stockholm, we recorded a studio called Atlantis, 
and that studio has been around since 1960. And most of the ABBA, you know, the Swedish band ABBA, of course. Oh, yeah. The pop act. They recorded most of their like, hits there. So ah. we have their old piano, like, that's where I put all my guitar pedals. <laughs> that's great. It was kind of cool oh, that they wow. kept the interior the same as back in the 1960s. We did record, record on Pluto's digitally, but we, you know, went through these old consoles and mics and all that. That's and the, you, you get the works of the analog consoles. Exactly. And you have, um, they have like an echo chamber as well, which we used, which kind of person, it's kind of signature. That studio sound is kind of connected with that uh, echo chamber to add some kind of atmosphere, kind of 60s type of horror movies atmosphere or something, which is really cool. Now, when you say echo chamber, are we talking like the, the big full room echo chambers? Is this one of those custom-built things? No, a, re- a real room. Like, it's painted with a glass paint, and all the walls should be, you know... I can't find the English word for it. I'm Swedish, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, the, the walls aren't even, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you put you know, like, like, like a tiny little lamp in there, and the that you send the signal through and then you take it back and the signal records the reverb of this particular room or shape. That's awesome. Now, you would have started your career um, back in the days of analog when analog studios would still been a big deal. So how has that progression, like what do you think of the progression from analog to digital recording technologies? How has that been over the years for you? Well, it's great. I mean, now people can do decent sounding album back in their living room basically uh, for, for a lot of bands who can't afford you know to go into proper studios it's, it's a great thing that you could do that of course and I mean working with those old tape machines they have their charm of course but it's a bit of a hustle you know now you can take retake how many times you want you know yeah but, you can uh, have unlimited takes now exactly and you have some much more possibilities in a way, but and also when it came out, the, the difference was with digital and analog. I guess it was it has kind of even out. They it just progress all the time, so the sound gets better and better too. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's a good thing. But sometimes you're a bit geeky and want to be, you know, use the old stuff, and the old stuff is good. I mean, yeah, I, I we did, um, we, when we did the album, we were kind of thinking about recording it on tapes. But uh, the guy who runs the studio has been there since 1960, you know, or since 1973, sorry. Uh, he said that, no, you won't tell any difference. Just, it's just a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, maybe there's some limitedness. And that's the thing, is like, digital makes it so much easier, but in the early days of digital, I'm sure you, you remember this, like, um, the, the recordings were very, very harsh. And so there were, you know, all these plugins that developed to try to mimic analog sounds and give you, like, that two warmth. And now, like you guys say, going through that old console or this, you know, studio from the 60s, that that really helps recapture a lot of that that charm and that, that ambiance. But then you still have the benefits of digital, the unlimited recordings, the ease of editing. Yeah, it's a great combination, I would say. I mean, it's kind of best of both worlds in a way. And it's neat. Now, um, let's talk about your gear here a little bit. I noticed you play um, PRS guitars currently. Is that correct? That's correct. 
we actually just played a, a show at PRS Guitars Factory uh, oh, wow. two days ago. Yeah, this um, convention kind of thing. And we played a full-on show there, which was different and was cool, you know. And oh, both awesome. me and Michael have our signature models out now, the FC models, which are a bit more affordable. So really happy about that. They have about hit the stores. Michael's been out for one and a half years. So now mine has come out as well. Now, what's your signature model based on? Is it a double cutaway? Is it a single cutaway? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it's a single cutaway, 22 frets. It has the 245 short scale neck. It has the fat body. And the single cut, the cutaway, actual cutaway is like a centimeter deeper than the normal cutaways. It's easier to reach those high notes. That, yeah. And I have the wraparound tailpiece and pick up the 245 uh, neck and the um, bridge. The body is mahogany body. It's a quilted maple top veneer and a mahogany neck with ebony fretboard and the frets are ex, extra fat frets. And it's a finish called uh, Ancient Brown, which is like really, really dark brown from distance. It almost looks black. But you can see through like the wood. Uh, so it came out really nice, I think. I'm very happy about it. That's phenomenal. Now, I had also noticed that you're using a system called Fractal Audio. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, on this tour, Michael uses it. Uh, but I just changed my whole setup. I use these amps called Black Star Amps. Yeah. And I have this rack build. So I use a bunch of Dunlop and MXR pedals, like Phase 90, uh, Carbon Copy Delay, and uh, Jim Dunlop wrote the vibe, no, Univibe, <clears throat> a bass compression pedal, um, uh, what else is in there? <coughs> Anyhow, it's controlled with this uh, Voodoo Lab switching system, so I can keep okay. uh, my pedals in the back in a drawer, so I can have like, presets and I can kick in any extra pedals I like at any time. This guy in Sweden who built this kind of rack thing. Called, it's called SOS, it's from Sound of Silence. Cool. So it came out pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. But I still use the fractals back home when I record. Uh, and my, but Michael uses them a lot. That's awesome. So, so like, you use the fractal, I guess, you know, to, to get that consistency of sound, but live you still prefer the old analog pedals and such. Yeah, I do. I'm pretty old school with that. I want my tube heads and, and all that. Of course, I could have done a more simpler rig and cost a lot of money to ship it over from Europe to the. Hey, you got to go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frederick, I don't want to take any more of your time. I'm doing the thank you for coming on the show today, and good luck with the rest of the tour. Thank you very much. All right, and there you have it. Uh, special thanks to Aaron and Rock for two really cool interviews. I know Rock had a blast doing that at backstage of the Hard Rock in uh orlando where he lives uh again he and uh snowy from radioactive metal rock lives in orlando snowy lives in winnipeg so almost as far apart as you can get on this great continent of ours uh two hosts that really bring you a ton of experience so he got to talk to anders from catatonia aaron got to talk to frederick from opeth uh so we hope that gives you a really great kind of profile of what you're in for a night of kind of prog rock that night so hope you really enjoy it fans of dream theater and bands like that I really should look into checking that out. So until next time, you can find more information on us at ironcityrocks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, MySpace. Whoop, 
strike that last one that was habit. We are no longer on MySpace. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you can go to ironcityrocks.com and get links for all those. Uh, we'd also appreciate feedback on the iTunes Music Store. You can contact us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. If you've got a band in the Pittsburgh area and want to be on the show, by all means, send us an email. Uh, I know for a lot of you bands out there, you make uh, really great demos and stuff, and you're kind of limited to being played on Sunday nights in the Pittsburgh area. But uh, we'd be glad to throw a song on for you. If you've got a Christmas song, we'd really, really love to hear it. Uh, we'd like to try to do another Christmas episode this year if we can get enough interest. So don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Again, ironcityrocks.com. I'm John. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>